to the world of digital sound. Hey guys, how you doing? This is Ken. This is another Ken Burton podcast show. And guys, this is a podcast story I meant to say. Um, guys, this is a whole new thing for me because I have built a website. Due to an immense amount of hatred I got by calling a lot of people freeloading fucks. <laughs> Oh, shit. People ask me, you know, to, oh, you've just alienated all of your fan base. Uh, no, I haven't. Because, uh, to be honest, if if you're in what you would describe as my fan base, um, I seriously doubt you're going to be offended by anything I say. <laughs> Quite the opposite, in fact. You're going to be disappointed if I don't do something like this. Well, uh, there you go. All the podcasts are now on a website. If you want any of them, then they're 99p each. And you can feel free, go and grab them. And, uh, you know, likewise, go and grab this one. If you've got this one, in fact, you have already paid the 99p, and I thank you very much for it. Trust me, it is all going on new equipment and new stuff that we're doing with the podcasts. So, anyway, uh, and not least of which is this, which is... Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the sound was really shit on my last podcast. The, the one that... <laughs> the one that I charged people for, and they hated me for it. Um, so, I've had... To, go out and get a new mic and I've I've gone out and got myself a Samsung Meteor uh only because I've always wanted one of those really now I haven't you know you're gonna hear some noise in the background by the way me drinking chewing things haven't really uh had a lot of time to play with it so this is a bit of a test so let me know how you how you get on with it and what you think about it all right quick drink mmm coca-cola right okay so uh we have the trusty chewing gum it's over here there we go, trusty chewing it. And let's uh, kick this off then, and let's qualify this by just saying all parts, none, bits, maybe any of this may or may not be true. It is up to you, the loyal listener. <laughs> if you've got this, you are a loyal listener, to decide whether or not you think any of it's true. And uh, what I will do, because of the way that we're doing these now, is I will put a uh, link in a video that's going to be on the Ken Burton Show channel. So uh, what I'll do is I'll put a I'll put a video on there just saying there's a new podcast story up, guys. Here it is. Go and, go and get it if you want it. And um, if you want to comment on that, then that'd be great. And what I will do is I will go through and, you know, check all those comments, as I do, because I love reading the comments on the podcast stories. Just do. I mean, it's the most interactive I get with people that appreciate my work you know and uh i mean if you can especially if you can kind of blank out all of the bullshit that goes with it then you know you're left with a lot of people that are very valuable and are the loyal you know the faithful the true uh the true believers in in what you do and that there's no greater appreciation than that trust me so anyway guys um so you want to go and comment go and comment on there Hockey cocky, right. Um, we are going to talk today about a bit of a difficult one, really, as they all are. But anyway, this one is about a guy that we're going to call Malik. Now, Malik wasn't necessarily a, a very good friend of mine. He went to the same school as I did, and uh, we kind of hung around roughly the same circles. We drank in the same pub, that was for sure. We knew each other by sight. We knew each other to say hello to. And uh, Malik was Asian, and I, I mean, it's a terrible thing to say now, but, you know, 20 years ago in Coventry, the Asians kept to their side of the table and you kept to yours, you know. And uh, never the twain. They, the, 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 the Asian community that settled in Coventry, they took whole areas of the city and just moved there. And all the Asians would move to that area. And uh, it would be very rare that you would have an Asian family in a street full of white people. Although that did happen. I mean, we, you know, where I grew up and mum and dad lived, we had a, an Indian guy uh, who was actually, no, he was white and he was married to an Indian girl and he lives in the same street as us. So, you know, we did, you know, there wasn't any 
deliberate act on anyone's part. I think the the Asian community felt safer, felt happier, mixing with the Asian community rather than uh, rather than the rest of us. And to be honest, Coventry was a quite diverse place back then. You know, twenty years ago, we had the race riots, the eighties, and uh, you know. It's quite a thing. It really was quite a thing. It taught me a few things. It, it, you know, I actually thought when the race riots were going to happen, uh, there was a, a demonstration going to happen. I actually thought, well, no one's going to turn up to that, are they? Who gives a shit? You know, it's not the 50s. Uh, <laughs> and love thy neighbour. And uh, fuck me if the the place was packed with thousands of people thousands of protesters and i just couldn't believe it and they were jamaican they were asian they were uh korean they were japanese they were all all over the place and you know your standard white caucasian with his skinhead and his uh ruthless way of shouting obscenities couldn't really get my head around it mind you there, there was a lot of things that didn't really get to me like they did to other people, like people being gay. I didn't give a fuck if they were gay. Lesbians, I thought I was fascinated by lesbians. Uh, <laughs> as anyone who had seen my porn collection in those days would tell you. Um, but I really didn't see the big deal. But anyway, so I knew Malik and Malik knew me. All right, that's what I'm getting at. Oh, sorry, another drink. So, um, we were we were on saying hello terms, all right? And uh, <laughs> he would he would say hello to me. I'd say hello to him. We didn't drink together, although we drank in the same pub. We didn't we didn't socialize together, although we went to the same clubs. You know, Malik didn't drink. Um, I never actually worked. Out. I guess I guess he was a Muslim. But I'm not, I really don't know. I didn't know him that well. So, so we're out um, on this particular night, okay? And we've got a couple of guys down from uh, Manchester, and uh, they were just. I think there was there was some sort of deal going on in the big balls, guys. You know, they're in the big house. They were some set of people were talking to some other set of people about the latest fucking thing that was going on they'd only just got into shipping cars out at that point uh that had only just started and by that i mean you'd be given a target uh usually it'd be a specific not always but uh you'd be told you know mercedes whatever whatever there's one in this street go and get it bring it here and then it ends up in a shipping crate and it goes off to malta or somewhere else south africa somewhere but uh, anyway, really, that's right and drive. So um, we we used to get orders to go out and get cars, as lots of us did at the time. And that had literally just started to kick off. And I think that the, the Manchester guys were down because um, they were going out through the Liverpool ports and the Manchester guys handled that. So anyway, and uh, oh, yeah, 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 they moved it away from there police got really hot on it. I was just a story within a story. I remember um, heading up to Liverpool in the car. that had, I didn't take the car, but the car had been taken. I was moving it up to Liverpool. And I was meant to be meeting some guy up there. Um, as soon as I got there, I was meant to make a phone call. And literally, the phone rang at, at his end. And uh, I said, yeah, this is such and such. And he went, Roy, get to Harwich. And then he hung up. <laughs> Harwich is like the other side of the fucking country to Liverpool. <laughs> oh, but I found out afterwards it had all blown up in Liverpool and uh, everything was going out of Harwich. So anyway, oh, so funny. Uh, <laughs> terrible driving experience. So anyway, um, that's what was going on. And we were with some of the Manx um, lesser people like us really i mean that you know not not heavies just the support crew and uh a few of us have worked with some of them before and they've been down we've been up there and uh anyway uh <laughs> malik walked in and we sat having a beer with a few of these guys and um some guy some guy 
uh, I, I, I'm absolutely sure he did it deliberately, bumped into Malik. And I, Malik had turned to say hi to me and to the guys on my table. And this guy stood up and bumped into him. None, the guy wasn't with us or anything, but he just bumped into him. And Malik went, oh, sorry, mate. And the bloke went, that ain't good enough, Packy. I thought, oh, fucking hell. You know, here we are trying to have a nice beer. And in fact, I said so. I, I said to this guy, look, mate, do you want to back the fuck off? I'm just trying to have a nice beer with a few of the guys that are down for a few days. And I don't really want, you know, to be in the middle of you causing a bunch of shit. All right? So anyway, uh, he just mouthed some obscenity and he fucked off. And Malik just nodded at me. We both laughed, right? So Malik went over to his table and he got maybe four or five mates on there and they're playing cards as they did. And uh, they're just sitting at the table doing fuck all. And we're talking to the boys from Manchester and about half an hour later, a whole bunch of fucking guys walk in with bats and sticks and fucking everything and I just thought you've got to be kidding me I'd never seen these blokes before I didn't recognize them they weren't locals to that pub so I'm thinking you have got to be joking you've (laughs) you've just walked into a pub full of fucking wannabe gangsters playing the hard boys it ain't gonna happen mate so anyway one of them turned to the uh, to the other one and he said um uh which one and he went, the packy's over there, and that's the packy lover. And he pointed at me. <laughs> well, th- there was at least, what, six of us at my table? And uh, I guess there was about ten of them had come in the pub. So anyway, a couple of them walked off to where Malik was. Everyone had seen these guys coming in with bats, so they moved the tables aside <laughs> and gave some space, knowing full well what was going to happen. We were drinking bottles of stuff. The Manx guys instantly turned their bottles upside down and just let it all drip out, <laughs> all the beer drip out. And they stood up with with bottles in their hands. So anyway, we got up, and none of us had come out you know expecting a fight so you know anyway these uh the first two guys went over towards malik and the the uh the guy that was with me or the guy that was closest to me said you better mind your own fucking business packy lover (laughs) i just went are you fucking serious mate (laughs) Because you are heading out of this place head first. And anyway, the two that had gone over to Malik, one of them had, had got this wooden bat thing. It wasn't a bat. I don't know what the fuck it was, actually. It was just like a piece of tree that he carved, I think. But anyway, he goes walking over to Malik with this thing. And Malik basically punches this guy square in his face and sends him like five feet across the floor <laughs> his mates go running to him and i think the guy was meant was going to go over and do the whole intimidation thing to malik and expect him to like back down or whatever and then you know have a fight or what but malik malik wasn't taking any time to listen to the guy he just clocked him straight in the middle of his face so anyway, it all kicks off. And the two Manx guys, one of them cracks a bottle over one of these goons' heads. And uh, the bottle smashes, right? And he, I mean, he'd taken, it was quite a hit, right, that this guy had given him. He's lying on the floor and it, there's like claret all over the fucking place. And uh, we've kind of dived forward. We're all in this... I wouldn't call it even a fight because there were so many of us in the pub that got involved in this that it it was just a it was an escort job really all we were doing was subduing these guys and bear in mind that you're talking about a, a pub with a hundred people in it that know each other 
<laughs> we all just there must have been five of us to each one of them and we just basically escorted them back outside as they got outside a couple of them took the odd smack in the face and a couple of them took the odd kick um the guy that had kind of walked in with the stick and gone for malik he was in no condition to do anything <laughs> he went to stand up <laughs> he was oh I, the way i can describe it you know when um they have these party games at the barbecue and you've got to put your head on the stick put the stick on the ground and run round it 20 times and then try and run in a straight line <laughs> that was what this guy looked like oh fucking hell it was so funny it was just so funny so anyway we escorted all these guys outside and uh told them to fuck off you know and they, if they came back blah 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 and uh the landlord he was a great bloke he really was a great bloke um he would i've talked about him before you know he, he was one of these he was so full of bullshit <laughs> he was he was an ex-lag right um he'd done time in wormwood he'd done time in a few places uh because uh when he got the pub he had to get the license in his wife's name but it was his pub and he reckoned he knew the craze and he knew frankie fraser <laughs> it was so full of shit anyway he's when we were bored we used to sit and listen to him telling stories all night it was great so anyway he had uh got um this i don't know what you call it really it was like a fucking blunderbuss without the end on it it was a shotgun that was sawn off but i don't know what gauge it was but there were two like hose pipes at the front of this thing (laughs) some people question whether or not it was actually real uh but anyway he grabs this thing from the back and he come out to the car park points it in this guy's face and says i'm gonna blow your fucking head off <laughs> well the guy is still out of it i mean he doesn't know what's up what's right what's night or day the guy's lost and his mates get him into the car and all these guys go off anyway malik uh comes over and shakes me hand you know and says cheers for that i said oh it's not a problem mate. it's not a problem anytime so anyway we kind of left it at that really well a couple of months after that um we were in a nightclub and uh it was busters now busters was friday night it was always the same thing busters would be from about i don't know from about 11 till probably midnight half past and then we'd shoot over to park lane and it was always the same gig and uh one of the guys that we were with in busters he got into some sort of a a row in the toilets with some guy about something and but he just came out and uh he said fucking hell you meet some larry cunts don't you and we, we were like, well, what's what's going on? He's ah, fuck it, nothing, nothing. So anyway, we went to leave to go out to uh, Park Lane. And you had to get out a set of stairs. And uh, there were like stone steps. So we went down these stone steps. And usually there's a crowd of about 20, 30 people just milling around, having a fag, having a beer and uh getting some air usually because busters was a hell of a place i mean it, it was so claustrophobic in that place and when they kicked off the smoke machine shit you couldn't breathe you just couldn't breathe you had to find a corner uh so anyway we walked down the stairs there's about six or seven maybe more guys at the bottom of the stairs uh who are obviously not happy with something and you can always tell you can always tell the people that are remotely and slightly amused with life and those that are pissed off and those that are out looking for trouble right um and you know people would in those days go out to have a fight in coventry and that's all they do and so I just thought it's a bunch of these assholes, you know. And I, I didn't know them, so they weren't necessarily from an area I knew. We walked down the stairs, and lo and behold, the guy that had had the whatever it was in the toilets 
he gets smacked in the side of the head. So we turn round and we jump the guy who smacked him. We get jumped and a fight kicks off. And there was probably, don't know, maybe 20 of us in this fight. And uh, I've taken a, a particularly nasty time of it due to <laughs> due to the fact that, oh, I've got to admit it, haven't I? I've got to admit it. <laughs> I tripped over the bottom stair. <laughs> I was so busy heading for the guy that had just cracked our mate that uh, I tripped over the stair. And as I'd kind of hit the deck, uh, A, I'd bang my head, but someone had also kicked me in the head, which didn't get out too well. I managed to get back up again and a guy had got me from the back of my shirt and he was literally pulling me from the back and I couldn't even see who it was. I didn't know if it was one of our guys trying to pull me out of it because I'm bleeding or whether it was one of them trying to pull me over so he could give me a, a, a decent kick in. Well, fucking hell. I got, uh, I got a few more kicks and a few more punches and uh, one of our guys just shouted, break, break. And that was our code word for get the fuck out. Right? We're outnumbered. We're outgunned. We're going to get fucked. Get out. And, you know, it wasn't, there was no shame in it. I mean, a, a lot of people would consider that to be a shameful thing to do, to run away from a fight. Uh, I mean, you'd never catch a Birmingham guy doing that. But, uh, you know, we didn't see really the point of staying there and getting our faces caved in when we're, we're in a, you know, a level of sort of two to one. And I wasn't that particularly good at the hand fighting. I was fucking terrible anyway. You know, a guarantee if I swung at somebody, I'd miss. So, uh, and I probably did that night as well. Oh, and uh, the guy that had been pulling up my shirt, by the way, the buttons had given way, and he'd actually ripped the shirt off my back. And it was uh, I was left with a sleeve. <laughs> Just one sleeve on of this shirt. <laughs> Bare-chested. And as soon as the boy shouted, break, we kind of looked around, make sure nobody was under a bunch of people, and we all just fucking legged it. Well, we all legged it in one direction with these guys following us. And by then, I don't know where they all fucking came from because it started off like us against maybe six guys that I initially saw. And then a whole bunch of dicks came from nowhere and started kicking fuck out of us. I I really couldn't get my head around that at all. But we were very, very seriously outnumbered. We were legging it down, uh, Christ, right down the middle of the city centre and uh, these guys were behind us and they weren't very far behind us now I was a little bit dazed and confused and I thought well fuck this I'm going to go right I'm going to get out of this because I'm not going to be able to run very far and uh, I went right and that took me towards the multi-story car park Um, and I ran Christ ran the multi-story car park in in, around the bottom of the multi-story up the ramp into the and the plan was the multi-story car park actually had a on about the second or third floor it had this ramp going off to um, another bunch of shops where WH Smith was and there was a cinema there and it kind of went back into the main Burgess which was the the main sort of taxi area so um, I'm thinking that that's my escape route so I'm legging it up these ramps and uh, I could hear I've got people behind me could hear it and I thought fucking hell you know this this is just nuts and then I went straight ass over tip on one of these ramps and that was it they're on top of me and there's Christ four of them maybe they grabbed me under the arms put me up against the car and just started pummeling me from fucking nowhere they just started pummeling me I was taking it in the back I was taking it in the head um, uh, I was I was just taking it everywhere I couldn't fight back at all there was just absolutely no way that I could fight back just couldn't do it you know I may have been swinging I can't remember I know I was losing fucking consciousness 
And then the next thing I know, there's a big fucking kerfuffle going on. I've hit the floor. I've opened my eyes sort of half with the blood that was in them. And I thought, well, that's a bunch of our guys that have caught up and they're pummeling these four blokes. The only problem was I couldn't understand what they were saying. I was just completely out of it. Well, anyway, long story short, four guys got the living shit kicked out of them. And it was Malik. It was Malik and his mates. They'd been walking down towards Park Lane. And they'd seen me running towards the car park. And then these guys chasing me. And then they decided to chase the guys. And I thank fuck they did. Because these fuckers would have killed me. I'm sure of it. They, They wouldn't have stopped until I was really, really fucking serious. So Malik and his boys kicked the shit out of these guys. They've picked me up, taken me to uh, the nearest street and phoned an ambulance and uh, get the old blue lights and the police turn up as well. And I said to Malik and his boys, I said, you don't get involved in this. Just just walk away. As soon as you see the lights, walk away. And uh, they were like, you sure about this? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure about it. And so they did. They walked away. And... As they were walking away, <laughs> the ambulance came from one direction and the police came on foot and in cars from another direction. And all that the police saw was me lying on the floor having had a very severe kicking and a bunch of Asian guys running in the other direction. To say that it was chaos would be a gross understatement. I was picked up by the paramedics, put in the ambulance. Blue lights flashing, we went off. I was in casualty for two hours. Best part of two hours. And... uh, most of the time I was asleep. They'd clean me up. And I kept falling asleep. They kept waking me up because of this head injury. And I kept falling asleep. You know, who do we contact? Who do we contact? No, no, no. Don't contact anybody. I'm fine. And they patched me up over the next six or seven hours. Decided that I was okay. Didn't need to stay over. Watched the concussion. And... You know, you're not leaving on your own. Go and phone a mate. And I did. I phoned a mate. And uh came and got me. And he was extremely apologetic. Because the boys did come looking for me. But they couldn't find me. And they'd managed to get away from these guys. That were chasing them. Uh But dickhead that I am. I went in a different fucking direction. And so got myself kicked in. And... uh we got in the car and I'd got I'd got a sling on my arm I'd got a bandage going right round my midriff because of the broken ribs um, I'd got a bandage on my head I'd got a uh, a number of uh, stitches uh, one right in the corner of my mouth which, which was just so painful for so long Right in the corner of my mouth, and every time I spoke, I opened up the opened the wound up again. It was fucking terrible that was. And I'd got a number of other injuries. I got two black eyes, my nose. Um, it wasn't broken, but uh, uh, where I'd been hit, it had swollen just underneath my eyes, either side of my nose, quite badly. And uh, I I looked like fucking Shrek. So anyway, we got in the car and we were on our way back. And he said to me, do you hear about Malik? And I said, no, what's that? He said, um, Malik and his mates, have uh, they're all like in court this morning. I was like, what for? He said, assaulting police. He said, you're fucking joking. He said, no, no, no. 
as as they ran to get away from where you were the cops saw them there was a big fucking dive in by the cops over the top as usual as it was in those days black mariah turns up fucking nightsticks come out and everybody gets their ass ass kicked well malik and his mates resisted and uh as you would you know and um of course the police had them for assault because if you get into a fight with a police officer it doesn't mean if it doesn't matter if a cop has started it you've assaulted a police officer right easy as that even if you're just trying to defend yourself well fuck me i couldn't believe it and i felt so fucking guilty and uh i said so what what do you think is going to oh, i don't know usual story you know the they're gonna uh get a fine and they're all they're all gonna get charged with fucking assault and whatever and you know they'll all be kicked out so anyway i went back to my place the boys were all there and we were all talking about it and um christ we spent the rest of the day i couldn't drink so i was on bloody painkillers and shit was i in pain and i spent the best part of three days like that well, it wasn't af- until after the three days <laughs> that I found out that Malik had been sent down. And I was absolutely gobsmacked. I was completely taken aback. Couldn't believe it at all. Just couldn't believe it. So... I was talking to just about everybody I could really, anyone that had listened. On the phone, I'm talking to Malik's lawyers, I'm talking to his parents, I'm talking to his mates. And uh, Malik had basically been sent for 28 days. Now, 28 days isn't a long time, but when he was sent down for doing something that you haven't done, or for something that you haven't done, it really is kind of out of order, you know? And uh, it was the copper's word against Malik. And I wasn't there. There's no CCTV around. Nobody's, you know, able to corroborate anybody else's story. And the the courts are going to believe the cops anyway. 28 days. And he served... I think he served about 10 days, 11 days, something like that. And they picked him up. And uh, as soon as he was out, I went round to see him. And he just, they'd only stuck him on the remand wing at, at uh, the green. But I was just absolutely fucking disgusted with this. I was saying to his lawyer that we can, you know, we can go to the cops, we can do this, we can do that. And... Um, Malik was such a fucking gent about it. He was such a gentleman. I mean, he he just, he came across with, you know, police of the police, what are you going to do? I was like, you know, that is really magnanimous of you, considering you saved my ass and then got, got your ass kicked in and then got done for it into the bargain. And he said, Ken, it's... It's one of these things, though, isn't it? It's the way that these things go. You know, when you're Asian, that's exactly what we expect. And it's no surprise to him. But I was absolutely shocked by it. And I, I, I just thought, if Malik was white, would the same thing have happened? I mean, you know, the the way that Malik and his mates described it, as they were running, the cops turn up, stay where you are, stay where you are, and they all stood there and held their hands up. And then a bunch of fucking truncheons came out and they got their asses handed to them on a fucking plate. And I can't help thinking, if, if they were white guys, would the same thing have happened? I mean, really, would it would the same thing have happened? Fucking Coventry in those days, I tell you. It's just something else. Anyway, it took me the best part of month 
before I was in any way, shape or form fit to do anything. And uh, we'd put the word out that we wanted to know who these fuckers were that had, like, had a go at us. And from what I heard, they had avoided going anywhere near Buster's because they were expecting the comeback. Only people were kind of expecting me to be involved in it, so nobody did it prior to me being well enough to get involved in it. Well, I decided that I was well enough. And we'd got names, we'd got addresses, uh, on at least 15 of them. We knew what area they all came from, and I won't tell you what the area was, because that would start another fucking turf war. But... We knew exactly the area they came from. We knew what pub they drank in. We knew fucking everything. So we geared ourselves up. We put together a team. And there was... Christ. Everybody wanted to do it. Everyone wanted to be on this team. And that that says a lot about where we were. And what we were doing. The fact that everybody wanted... A piece of these guys. And that was including Malik. So we geared up. We got um, at least 30 of us. At least. And there were people on the pr- people on the peripheral as well. There were the guys that were going to go and get involved. And then there were guys on the peripherals of it. Sort of in back streets and on major roads and if any of them jumped in cars and tried to get away they'd have a bit of a shock Um, and uh, this is you know this is what we did we got um, the guys in Birmingham to help us out and they created a diversion and what they did was they uh, they basically uh, Christ they, they went to a pub that was um, just off the A45 and uh, created some havoc there and they got the barman to phone into the police and say there was a brawl involving up to 100 people and of course Coventry emptied of fucking coppers <laughs> so that they could go and have a have a, a bit of a piece of that and that gave us enough of a time slot really to go and do what we wanted to do we went into the pub and it was just off a major street really had a nice big car park we walk into the pub every single one of us is carrying something and um, oh fucking hell yeah oh dear one of our guys had got a can of uh, CS gas (laughs) oh dear pepper spray or whatever the fuck it was I don't know what it was but um, we went in from uh, all three entrances into this pub and all of these guys were in the bar area so we kicked off and there were pool cues flying there was shit happening left right and centre people were getting severely smacked and uh, retribution was going great guns. And some bloke who was at the bar was just shouting and shouting and shouting and just saying, stop, what's going on? Stop, stop. And uh, he managed to get hold of me and said, what's, what's this about? And I said, you see that bloke over there? He said, yeah, yeah. I said, he's the reason why somebody I know did time and the reason why I've got broken ribs and a smashed in fucking face. And he just looked and went, the fucking little prick. Wait till I tell his dad. And I said, if you want to keep out the way of this, mate, just stay to the sides. And they just, the boys just carried on. I couldn't do a lot. I couldn't do a great deal at all. I tried. You know, I did what I could. And then uh, one of the guys that had been 
causing a lot of the havoc. One of the guys that had certainly, definitely one of the guys that had smacked me up, he'd managed to get himself out the back door. And uh, I saw him go. Fucking coward. And he was holding his hands forward as if to say, no, not me, not me, not me. And he went for the back door. And I knew it was he was one of them. So I went after him. And I got out just in time to see him getting into a car. So I dived in my car, followed him. Wasn't my car, but okay. <laughs> a car loaned for the event without the owner's consent, I would imagine. Uh, anyway, um, sure enough, he goes tanking it out the uh, at the entrance to the car park. And just as he's turning right, I T-bone the fucker. <laughs> I really T-boned him. <laughs> and he, he, I got him in the driver's door and he couldn't get out the driver's door. So uh, he scooted over, got out the passenger door, started running down the street. <laughs> started chasing him <laughs> in this car. Oh, shit. He got... Um, he got to a point of uh, like a grassy area and uh, there was no way he was going to avoid it. And so I, I drove past him really, really quickly for driving on grass right next to him and I opened my driver's door and I thought, I'm going to smack him, he's going over. He went right underneath the back wheels. <laughs> I don't know why I'm finding that funny. It's not funny. <laughs> he went right under the back wheels. But it was the noise he made. <laughs> he squealed like a pig. He absolutely squealed. Well, anyway, I, I stopped the car and got out. I did think about reversing over him. And, uh, well, one of his legs, there was a bone sticking through it. And the other one was pointing in the wrong fucking direction. And he he was just <clears throat> screaming like a fucker. You couldn't... I mean, you've never seen anything like this guy screaming and screaming. And so uh, I just I walked over to him. And I went, fucking hurts, done it. <laughs> and I went and got back in my car. <laughs> I drove back to the pub. <laughs> oh dear. We started to, I guess we started to hear the sirens after about 15 minutes. A little bit longer maybe. And uh, you, you knew that by the lack of injuries to our guys, that it had been very one-sided. Very one-sided. People were held. People were smacked. And uh, Malik had done this quite incredible drop kick. I remember. I'd never seen it done before. <laughs> right under this guy's chin. Sent him straight across the table. Fucking hell. I never realised Malik was that handy, actually, until I saw him do that. I mean, he could punch, obviously. I'd seen that. But I never realised he was into all the karate shit. But anyway. We kind of walked away from it. And we got out of there and went our separate ways. And, you know. A couple days later, we're waiting for the backlash waiting for the war to start and when it did we'd be ready for it and we were talking about what we're going to do and how we'd react to it and as soon as we hear word that there is a war we're going to go back to that pub and beat the fuck out of everybody all over again and take the fight to them the only way that we're going to do anything about this is if we go in hard fast and fuck them up well it wasn't a week later when the guy that I'd been speaking to at the bar came into our pub 
and I thought fuck me he's come in and behind him there are going to be about 30 people all fucking geared and uh, I couldn't take another kick in <laughs> I just couldn't <laughs> I hadn't recovered from the last one so I stood up and I, I looked at the boys and the, the bloke held his hands out and went whoa 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 <laughs> I don't want any bother he said, I just want you guys to know that it stopped. It's ended. All right? There's been wrong on both sides. People got fucked up on both sides. It's ended. And I thought, you are seriously one brave son of a bitch coming in here on your own to say that. And he was on his own. Absolutely couldn't believe it. So we sat down, me, him, and Malik, and we had a drink. (laughs) Oh, shit, the way that these things turn out. And uh, he was telling us about, you know, some of the shit that was going on, like the the kid that had uh, kind of initiated it. Um, His dad had apparently gone apeshit um and uh basically you know taking his car away from him taking his allowance away from him <laughs> whatever he'd done um the guy that i ran over inadvertently i might add although it didn't come out that way <laughs> the guy in the pub he's he's like oh yeah and the guy you ran down... No, no, I didn't run him down. I mean, come on. <laughs> I went to knock him off his feet and he went under the wheels of the car. Yeah, yeah, right. The guy you ran down um, will recover. And uh, his legs were quite badly smacked in. Uh, fractures and breaks all over his fucking lower legs. Uh, but he'll be okay in time. <laughs> And uh, that's where he wanted to call it a day. Craziest thing. Craziest thing. And the, the, the thing is, when you, when you were growing up in that sort of an environment, there were no half measures with people. Either they were haters or they weren't. And either they hated you because of the colour of your skin, the area you lived in, the pub you drank in, the nightclub you went to, or they didn't. There was never any half measures. Tolerance, I think, is the, the one thing that was lacking in those days tolerance it wasn't a long time after that that Malik got himself in trouble with the cops again and uh, it was a very very similar story Um, the cops had overreacted they'd nicked him for a burglary and uh, I was able to repay the favour because I gave him an alibi. And when the cops came round to see me and they said, you're lying through your ass, mate, saying, no, I'm not. And they said, well, yes, you fucking are because we know you are. You know, he did this and he's going down for it. I said, he fucking didn't do it because he was at my place. And I've got three other guys that were here that night and a number of other people that popped in and out that will say exactly the same thing. Malik didn't do any robbery. He wasn't a fucking robber. But this cop decided that he was. And the last thing the cop has said to me, I remember this for the rest of my days, why the fuck are you sticking up for these people anyway? These people... 
What do you mean, these people? I'll tell you what. Once you've gone head-to-head in a crowd, crowd of people with the fists flying, whoever it is that's standing at your side, whether he be black, white, or fucking green, becomes a brother in arms. That's the way it was. That is just the way it was. And he knows he could have made a phone call at any time after that day and I'd have been there for him. And I know that I could have done the same. That was who we were. Cops didn't understand it. Racists didn't understand it. There were a lot of Asians that didn't understand it. Because it wasn't always one-sided. His mate's wondering why the fuck he knew me. I don't know. I like to think that somewhere down the line we maybe bridged a little bit of a gap. We never became mates as in hanging around together mates. But we did become brothers. Me and Malik. Hell of a guy. Not sure what happened to him. I didn't hear anything. Didn't he get married? I think he got married. He got married... Not in uh, Coventry. He got married somewhere else, I think. And then they moved to somewhere... And uh, I think he he took over, or he started to work for his dad in some bloody textiles business. Can't remember. Anyway, great lad. Great lad. I will never, ever forget Malik. Ever. I don't think he'll ever forget me. There you go. That's who we were. This has been my mate Malik on the Ken Burton Show podcast story. I really hope you've enjoyed this one, guys. Like I say, leave a comment on the uh, in the comment section on the intro video that will go up on the Ken Burton Show channel. And uh, I thank you for your patronage. The fact that you have put your hand in your pocket to buy this. Unless you've ripped it, of course. In which case, you're a freeloading fuck. No, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, no, really. I mean, it, it is very much appreciated. I was going to stop doing these. Um, but I got so much support from the true fans who said, just put them somewhere else, somewhere we can access them, and the haters can't. So here they are. And the book, I'll have you know, has been started. And it's going quite well. I will see you guys on the dark side. You all take care now. See you soon.